Buckaroo! Ooh! The designer and driver of the jet car, a vehicle able to roar unharmed through solid matter. Buckaroo! Ooh! An expert in martial arts, particle physics, and fluent in a dozen languages. Buckaroo! Ooh! An extraordinary brain surgeon. Buckaroo! Ooh! Leader of the Hong Kong Cavaliers, one of the toughest, most popular hard rock and bar bands in East Texas. Buckaroo Bonsai! That's who! Join Team Bonsai, the Hong Kong Cavaliers, and the astounding Blue Blaze Irregulars on their action-packed assault against the evil lectoids from Planet 10. Experience the horrors deep within the slimy walls of Yo-Yo Dine Propulsion System. Thrill to the sights and sounds trapped in the mysterious formless void of the 8th dimension. Be there as Buckaroo fights against impossible odds to rescue Penny Pretty from the hateful Dr. Lazardo, the diabolically possessed alien dictator from outer space. An astonishing new adventure coming this summer from 20th Century Fox, soon to be a major Marvel comic. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast. Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventure and absorbing alcohol. I'm Jeff. And I am Rick. We made it to our third episode. Woohoo! Yeah. How you doing, Jeff? I'm doing all right. Uh, tired. Really? Yeah. It's right. weird having a baby. It seems to uh, take energy away from you and sleep. And what does it provide to you? That's the real question. Oh, the most luxuriant beard ever, softened with the sweetest of baby spits. Ah, uh, yes. Baby spit beard. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's is. I've got uh, braids in my beard, and my daughter just likes to grab them and just shoves them in her mouth like spaghetti and just suckles on them. It's just like... Wah, 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 wah. But now that she's got teeth coming in, it also works as a floss. So dental floss, dental oh, yeah. beard, beard floss. Yep. I think it's a thing we can, oh, we can, we dental, can sell. Dental beard, that dental is. Beard. Yeah, that's. Okay, TM. Nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Nice. Put our stamp on that. I like that's that. Right. I like that. I like that. I'm not a notary, but it's notarized. <laughs> See, I just I, I just do the, the work thing, home family thing, too. That's, mm-hmm. that's also nice as well in this podcast. Because this podcast, this podcast, we have people that are following it. I know, that's amazing. And uh, we'd like to thank each and every one of you. All. all Three, four, uh, five. Including us, upwards of three. <laughs> I, I know that I've a couple people have uh, reached out to us on Twitter. One person in special, uh, Ryan, our first person to make a comment to us on Twitter. So, yay! Yeah, that was actually great to read. It yeah. really brought a smile to my face. I know. And once again, thank you very much to Hub at Tighten Up the Defense. Because uh, without you pushing us out there, I don't think we could have gotten so many hits. I really want to provide some good content to the people out there. Because I, I think this is kind of fun. I think some people are going to enjoy it. And I think that we can do some good things. Once we figure out how to actually, you know record in a good sound area that yeah that's the problem with the recording at home where you're going oh everything is a hard surface and uh hmm, we really need to get better acoustics for for a room that's why i'm looking at a lovely sleeping bag backdrop i'm looking at a rug on a futon mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. Classed it up for the sun. Classed it up, yeah. And also, we also turned off the uh, the heater in the yeah. house, too. So if it gets too cold, uh, we're just going to freeze out your family. So I've known him for a while. It's been a okay. good run. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> Let's move on. Jeff, can you please give us the two-sentence replay of the last episode? Friday gives the Power Kids unstable molecule costumes to keep Jack from being naked all the time, and a map! They use the map to get to the Annihilator, which they destroy by dropping it into a forest after Julie steals some candy bars from their dad's evil meanie-head boss, Mr. Carmody. Now that we've got the two-sentence review out of the way, (laughs) why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our Power Pack pick is? 
My pleasure. I, oh, I'm, I keep on looking forward to these to see how you tie it in because it just makes me laugh each time. I, I also enjoy sneaking the beers into your house and into the fridge to cool them off a little bit so that I can surprise you every time. Such as this one. I decided to go this time with an IPA. Not my favorite, but I saw this and I thought that it fit perfectly in with the theme of this episode. And everybody in the uh, Northwest loves IPAs. Absolutely everybody. You know, I'm not a huge fan. And Rick isn't a huge fan, but everybody, well, I, my friend Chris isn't a huge Every A lot of people like IPAs. What do we got, Jeff? We have Stormbreaker Brewing Cloud Ripper IPA. <laughs> and, oh, that's sad. There's no story on this. <laughs> Other than um, brewed with seven hop varieties, including Amarillo, Cascade, Centennial, Citra, Galaxy, Nugget, and Summer. Yeah. Uh, the Citra, Galaxy, and Amarillo Dry Hop gives it an immense citrus aroma at a 78 IBU, has a big hoppy bite up front, but finishes as refreshing and clean as the calm after the storm. So why would we drink a Cloud Ripper IPA? We yes. don't know. We don't have a single member of the of the Power Pack that's a an IPA. <laughs> no, we do not. But um, I went with Cloud Ripper for a couple of reasons that I think will become apparent as we read this episode. Oh, that's an IPA. That is an IPA. So yes, I chose this beer in honor of the star of this issue, our favorite Cloud Boy with a fart picture on his chest, <laughs> Jack. And I gotta say that even the picture. <laughs> <laughs> Cloud Ripper. Ripper. Yeah. Master Rick. Master. Mass Master. I'm calling Although him Cloud, Cloud Ripper. Cloud Ripper would be kind of a badass name, really. Yeah, Cloud Ripper would be a good name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I got to say that even the picture on the front looks like a very angry Jack. Yeah, an older <laughs> an older angry Jack fighting his uh, empowered past. He's he's going to, we'll say it's a pick, and he's going to pick the heck out of this cloud that he used to be. It's a good looking cover, and it does definitely smell like an IPA. I do believe that it does tie into this issue that we're about to go through, because, spoiler warning up front, this issue is is a little bit Jack-centric. I wanted to find something that could tie into our favorite cloud boy. Cheers, yeah. my friend. Cheers. Yeah, it's an IPA. Yeah. IPAs, to me, the hops taste like rusted nails. That's just how hops hit my tongue. I know that's not for everybody. But once I get past that, I do definitely get that heavy citrus taste. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a little heavier on the citrus. It's, uh, it's not as kind of tart and bitter as a lot of IPAs no. that I've had, though. No, it's not. It's not. Um, it does have a hoppy front, but it does... It's actually kind of pleasant drink. Yeah, um, it's For what we have had so far, this is our lowest ABV alcohol by volume at 6.4%. For those of you keeping track at home. Man, that is a, that is a bubbly beer. Mm-hmm. That is just outgassing inside. That is crazy. That's actually really kind of cool looking. It's nice and clear. It's nice yeah. uh, amber. You can see through. I can, I, I can see Rick. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Rick. Hi. All right. <laughs> Literally looking at beer with beer goggles. Moving on from that wonderful image, I'd like uh, you to read the opening credits if you want mine, sir. Power Pack, issue number three, October 1984, Kidnapped. Credits, written by Louis Simonson, penciled by June Brigman, inked by Bob Wycheck, lettered by Joe Rosen, colored by Glennis Ween, edited by Carl Potts, editor-in-chief Jim Shooter. In the first page of this lovely issue, we get another recap. We get this recap within the conversation that the four kids are having on a very nice splash page, which I guess I don't really mind too much. They don't stretch it out. They just get it out of the way and establish what's happening now, which is something that they've done on the first page for all the comics. It's a good way for letting us know what's going on, getting us all up to speed. And right now, shocker, Jack is complaining again. Ah, uh, old curmudgeonly Jack. Oh, dear gosh. The voice. He's becoming my favorite. That's because we've got a voice for him. Yeah. Well, uh, I didn't find the voice. The voice found me. Nice, nice, nice. All the other kids are getting a chance to eat, but Jack has to be a cloud to cover them while they're flying, which means he can't eat and is starving. 
They're also planning what their next steps are going to be, which include finding the snarks and their parents. They're hoping that Friday has replaced the broken circuits. And Katie, while wiggling a loose tooth, says, Alex, do broken circuits feel anything like a loose tooth? Unfortunately, the snarks, fresh on their loss of the converter, get to Friday first and take him. Does this make it a Friday napping? I am ignoring that joke. Anyway, the kids can't find Friday, so they decide to head back to their house. Jack points out that they might be walking into what Admiral Akbar might say, It's a trap! But Alex argues that the Snarks have probably forgotten about them. And why would they want four kids who recently received space powers from their mortal enemies anyways? Yeah, I would just go, yeah. And so, while the Snarks hover in hiding above the Powers house, which is actually kind of interesting because they even note that they're like, oh, there's the Power Kids hiding in a cloud, just like we're doing. Yeah, that really works. Everybody just uses clouds. Mm -hmm. so if you ever need to hide from somebody, poof, cloud it up. The kids come home, and this is rough. Home is everyone's safe place, and I would argue more so for kids. It is where your family is. It is where your comfort and memories are. It is where your things are. It's where you hide your stuff. And as the kids come home to see the damage, we get some amazing panels. Jack finds his baseball cap with a laser hole in it. Julie finds the book she was reading on the deck with a laser hole in it. Katie finds her sleeping bag with a laser hole in it. And Alex finds his telescope, a melted slag from the laser holes in it. Man, the Snarks have a theme and they kind of stick to it, don't they? Yeah, you know what? I, I kind of think that this is the Snarks inventory method. It's basically kind of like they're going, Is this the blueprints? No? Then blast it with a laser so that we don't have to check it again later. You know, I can buy that. That would track with them being the most misunderstood race in the universe. How's that? Well, well, they come home to a new planet and begin this inventory process. The inhabitants of the invaded planet just see these aliens shooting everything. It's just a misunderstanding. Oh, that makes sense. It's like, they're not a warlike race. They're just very dedicated to their bookkeeping. Very thorough. Yes. Right. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's not like, oh, don't go into that section of the store. It's already been inventory. We taped it off. It's just like, <laughs> I shot it with lasers. <laughs> okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah. That's why That's why the roof is coming down and, and all inventory. the... Inventory. Yeah, all the soup cans are destroyed. Inventory. Also, we need to order a new roof and... <laughs> soup cans well i'll tell you some people who are not happy with this inventory method it's these kids because just look at the art in this panels it's really good you can just see the angst and sadness on these kids faces alex is holding his telescope and he is barely holding it together each of the kids is pretty distraught by the damage to their stuff except for jack who just resolutely pulls on his cap as they search the house for food katie comments that her tooth is looser now followed by i want to tell my mommy as Katie eats an apple, and Julie fills her bag of holding-like pockets with food, a familiar rumbling occurs. Um... The snarks are here. The kids huddle up, and Alex hatches a plan. Katie powers up by dissolving the refrigerator. Bad, Katie. That was the only thing in the house that didn't have a laser hole in it. Alex degravitizes the car. Now that has a laser hole in it. And floats up under the jack cloud cover. Once he is above the snark ship, he drops the car, and it slams into the bridge of the ship. Crash! This has some serious negative effects to the bridge of the ship. Kaboom! Which unfortunately causes an external explosion, Boom. which knocks out Alex. Can can we think about this just domino series of events that yeah. just occurs? Yeah. Hey, boom, boom, I'm unconscious. Yeah. Yay. What happened? I don't know. 
If only I thought about the consequences of my actions. Oh my God, you know what he needed to do? He needed to watch any episode of Dukes of Hazard, and he would know that any car going at any speed stopping explodes. No, I think Dukes of Hazard taught us that any car going at any speed can jump over any ravine. Unless it's a bad guy's car. I saw kind of like a like 20 year retrospective talking about it, and they're like, oh my God, we had mechanics on the show every time because we'd jump a car and it would get wrecked, and then we'd have to just push it back together, and then we'd just keep driving. They have an insane amount of cars that they had for that show. I, I There was some final number, and I'm sure that if we only had access to the internet, we could look up the stats on it. But yeah, it's it's pretty impressive, the number of cars. That, oh, okay, we got here because he threw a car on the alien ship. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah we did. So that was a thing. That was a thing. <laughs> Luckily for everyone involved, the snarks send out Willie Mays' fighter craft and Alex is caught with a net that the ships are holding in their hands. Yes, that's right hands. If you don't want to be a Reuben Space, you put hands on your ships. Hearts are falling out of the sky. Crackling. And Katie has to run. Worst game of dodgeball ever! She manages to shoot off a powerball that opens a path in the fighter screen to the mothership. Boom! But the net was designed to be undisintegratable. Katie is caught. Julie takes advantage of the hole in the fighter ship and zips into the open hangar. She is flying fast, looking for where her parents are being hidden. And as she flies, she gets distracted by Friday. And then she slams into a wall. So And she is out. You called this out in episode one. Yeah, I did. Uh, you know, I still seriously say that I think there would be a lot more accidental injuries and deaths in a powered world. So I'm really glad that Louis Simonson added this into the script while Julie is still getting a handle on her powers. Still, ouch. Still very much ouch. But, uh, oh, this is a great point to actually say how we've been reading the series for the podcast is I'm not reading ahead. I'm just reading the one that we're going, you know, that we're going to do the podcast of. And so I have no idea what's happening in the future anymore because last time I read these was like, <clears throat> 20 odd years ago or something so i kind of have a vague overview of the story but not this this minutia i think that probably my reading of this series too brings me back to high school i don't think i've reread it maybe i did it sometime in my 20s it's been a while since i have read this series as well i'm a little bit further ahead of you because i'm prepping up some future episodes that we're doing mm -hmm. and getting some scripts pre-written i'm not too far ahead this is kind of fun rereading this and, and just piecing it all together from what we know as we read it and sharing it with you, our lovely listeners. So yeah, if we ever kind of like go, oh, I think this, it's not because we're like, Haha, I know this is coming up. It's kind of like, oh, I think this would be a neat way of the story to go. Good point, good call. The snarks mummify the three children. And after a FaceTime session with their queen, they had FaceTime back then? Of course they have FaceTime, although they probably call it snark time. Ooh, nice. Yes, and it's because they're an advanced species. They have spaceships with hands on them, not like those rubes that don't. Okay, look at our space shuttle. It has a, a cargo arm. <laughs> Lame. Would it be called the snark time? The snark time. Or would they drop the because it's too pretentious? Uh, yeah, they would probably just be snark time. So after they have their snark time session with the queen, they decide that three is good enough because the fourth one is lame. Actually, they've been commanded to get their snarky tails home, and the fourth one is lame anyways. Ouch. Yep. Jack, floating outside, mopes about his useless power, but does realize that he can understand the snarks. He posits that Friday built a translator in the suit, which is pretty cool, but then decides, Nah, that's too much like science fiction. Jack, you are a cloud given superpowers by an alien, wearing cloud clothes given to you by an intelligent spaceship, and trying to rescue your family from a different alien spaceship, but a translator is too science fiction-y. Mr. Power, you have to stay after class because you obviously haven't paid attention to today's lesson. <laughs> the Snarks dump their junk, a la Empire Strikes Back, and Jack sneaks aboard into the sealed garbage room. <laughs> this is enough for the hungry, exhausted Jack, and he takes a much-needed nap. <laughs> 
Sorry, I want to go ahead and throw my own sound effects in there. That's great. He is woken as some low-level snarks are shoveling garbage onto him. Plop, sploosh, thunk, thud. Did you notice that the garbage includes banana peels? Snarks love them some bananas. Give me a K! K! What's that spell? Potassium! Yay! <laughs> Jack is able to sneak out and search the ship, finally finding his sleeping swaddled siblings stuffed on stacked shelves. You're not the only one who could alliterate. Yep. He clouds in and solidifies on the top shelf, which causes a bracket to fail and one of the wrapped children falls to the floor. Creep, snap, thud. And that child has a broken back. Okay, maybe not. But dang, that would hurt. Yeah. Jack hears the guards coming in and he panics. He can't cloud up without giving his position away. Only he was small enough to hide and he shrinks down. Jack shrinks down to about seven inches tall, hiding behind the wrapped foot of one of his siblings as he watches the guards fix the shelf. And then the shelf Jack is now on breaks. Snap, snap, clang. And that child has a concussion. Luckily, Jack is thrown onto the head of one of the guards and knocks him out. Thud. Jack surmises that he is super strong when he is small, which is not entirely true. His mass is more compact, but he is still the 56-pound child he was before. That snark took a 56-pound projectile to the head, which can knock most things out. Jack, standing on the snout of the downed alien, challenges the other guard and gets stepped on. Thud. Ouch. Luckily, the super dense boy is able to hold up the foot, but is being crushed until he quickly returns to his full size, flinging the surprised crimson garb jailer against the wall. Thing. After that, it is pretty quick work, untying the other children and explaining what has been happening. Jack is really excited to tell the others about his powers, but Julie has taken an injury. She slammed hard into the wall and broke her arm. Alex uses his Boy Scout knowledge to fashion a splint for her while Jack ties up the snarks. The kids take a quick snack break with food Julie grabbed from their house, and then they set off to find their parents on Friday. As they do, they overhear some other guards heading in to check on the prisoners, and Katie asks Alex an important question. Do you think the Tooth Fairy will be able to find me on Snark World? Next issue, Rescue. This is a lot of action. There's not much story here, but what there is, it's really good. Yeah, it's it's very show-not-tell. Yeah, there is a lot of words, there's a lot of things that are happening, but it's a lot of Jack going through, figuring out what's happening. This is a Jack-centric episode. I mean, he does the majority of the heavy lifting. Heavy lifting. In, yeah, heavy lifting yeah, yeah. in there. Yeah, you saw that coming. Yeah, here's the thing on Jack, though. He spends a lot of his time, his, his exposition is predominantly saying how much his power suck and how useless he is and how basically bummed out he is. You know, he even hears, that was the great thing with the Universal Translator when he figures it out, yeah. is that he even hears the snarks going, all right, uh, we've got the three offensively powerful ones we don't need the other guy he sucks yeah it, but at the same time he does take that and he does figure things out i mean it is by accident you know i wish i was small Zip. he's small i wish i was big again i'm big yeah he is guessing and getting lucky doing it but he is the one who is willing to stretch his legs per se yeah he's and, he's doing power feats all the yeah. time it's really great he's uh other people are kind of like hey i can do this one thing and one thing only and he's yeah. like oh i do this one thing also that's dumb but i can also do this yeah and i can also do that and i'll kind of do this too and he puts himself in positions where he needs to figure out how his powers can help save the other kids mm -hmm. so i th i think it's really good showing that i think it's really good that he was questioning himself because now he can kind of figure it out and yeah and actually get some things done which is kind of cool so let's talk about some more thoughts on this book you just mentioned the universal translator it's a dos ex machina yeah pretty much it just yeah. deals with the old thought bubble so that way he can understand what the other aliens are saying because otherwise it's kind of like snarks 
growled at me. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what they're talking about. I like this because it gets the problem out of the way. It, yep. it just says, okay, you know what? This is a universe with a lot of different aliens. We have these kids who are going to run into aliens. Uh, we don't want to deal with it, so we're just going to go ahead and have Friday build a universal translator into their costumes and... Yeah. Done. Hand wave, done. I have no problem at all with this, but I was thinking, and Alex is kind of getting into middle school, almost getting high school age. He's, I guess he he's got, not anywhere near high school. I he's, guess he's just middle school. Yeah, 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 yeah. He just, you know, he might start be starting to look at some foreign language classes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> he is going to be a prodigy for the uh, oral presentation stuff. Oh yeah, but, not, uh, well, look, he can understand everything. He probably is not going to be able to speak or write anything. Yeah, he he will totally understand what the teacher is saying. Or when the teacher says blah 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 blah, and he's like, "Oh, I will raise my left hand and I will tell you about my uh, vacation to the Grand Canyon." Alex, you understand what I'm saying? Why aren't you speaking Spanish or writing it or reading it? Still, <laughs> I'm just saying. Yep. If there's a way to cheat, I will find the way to cheat. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Also, Mr. Power, why are you wearing your pajamas and silver <laughs> boots to class every day? Universal Translators, good choice, Louis Simonson. Another Star Wars reference. What, the dumping of the garbage before the interstellar travel? No, uh, actually I was thinking about them thinking that it was a trap. Oh, Yes, of course the garbage. Come on, man. (laughs) (laughs) Did you notice in the garbage, apparently snarks only eat meat on bones and bananas. I thought it was a very Earth-centric diet myself. Yeah. Yeah, it was very much... No, I guess not. I'll take that back. It's it's bones and bananas. I think there's an occasional wrapper, but predominantly it's bones and bananas. Bones and bananas. The, the two Bs. They have a very B-centric diet. Yeah, they have... They, they have a lot of vitamin B. They have a two-tiered food pyramid, which yeah. is your allocation of bones or beef. Well, no, they don't eat bones. They no, don't they, eat bones. They throw the bones away. Mm, yes. Then bone wrapping. Well, we have nothing on this no, one. <laughs> not even... Another Star Wars reference. I, I think there's some definite influence there. I, uh, Star Wars is all the rage with the kids these days. So, um... <laughs> With I their, think it's <laughs> with their Star Wars in. I, I think that it was very much tied into the culture. I think it's it's fun to see it, but it's it's kind of ob- it feels obvious to me. I don't yeah. know. It just is one of those things. They they dump their junk before they go into interstate. It's kind of cool. But the big theme of this book is, of course, the evolution of Jack's power. Yeah, he is. You know, we kind of talked about it, but yeah, he's super stubborn. He's always kind of complaining about things, but he's kind of the only one that's even trying to stretch his powers. He's kind of like sort of experimenting with them. I think Alex wants to explore more of his powers. I think that he wants to do more things with his powers. I don't think he's figured out exactly what that is yet. And I think that's part of just him trying to grow or do his own thing. You know, he also kind of honestly hasn't had the time to play with his powers. I mean, he's been using them almost constantly because it's like, okay, I'll grab Katie and I'll make us light, but I can't really do anything else while that's going on because we're flying. Okay, now we're in a situation I got to come up with a plan. Right. Oh, we got the, uh, the Annihilator device. Okay, Okay, great. But I need to keep my hands on it and keep it light so that way... And he, he just wants to be the one center to lift things up. And I, I, He just hasn't done enough with yeah. figuring out all the things with his powers. His, his time with his powers have been very occupied in right. doing it for a thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Julie's powers, those ones are pretty much go. I mean, she's figured them out. It's pretty simple. She can fly fast. She can turn fast. She hit a wall in this one because she got distracted. Yeah. But, I mean, as far as how her powers go... I think she is just smart enough and intuitive enough to like, hey, I want to go and fly here and turn here. And it's pretty easy. Yeah. There might be some other things that her powers could do that she hasn't like tried to think about. Maybe she can shoot a rainbow beam at people. Maybe she has a force field she can 
can generate. But it's it probably it seems very much just like it's uh, thrust and go. Yeah. The one who really needs some work with her powers is Katie, of course. Oh, the five-year-old. She better the, the master that up real quick. <laughs> I know. But... Use that child's imagination. <laughs> I. She's got the most destructive powers, and we see her constantly disintegrating things, mm-hmm. firing random fireballs off in different directions. She got surprised by Carmody, and she just ah, blast off yeah. a couple of fireballs. She needs to get some practice with her powers. The, yeah. Again, it's it's been it's what? been it's been two days now sure no no i i these kids need to go out they need to go out into the field they need to hunt down some just generic goblins with combat boots on and they need to level up quickly they just need to go on some power level up okay so they just got to go and fetch quest yes bring me the tale of 10 snarks yes not snarks snark rats yes and then they are not up to snarks no not at all then prime snark rats and then junior snarks and then just go to the guy with the uh with the uh exclamation point over his head and he'll just he'll he'll fill you in on the did we play way too much final fantasy growing up or what oh it's every game though yeah pretty much yeah what can i do for you go and break some barrels and bring me some apples yeah it's it's everything yeah i want to break out the library card i have no idea what that sound effect was right there that was the this cool sound of your library card coming out i would have used this sound for it and now i shall unsheath my library card shing and then there's a glowing sound effect but you can't see that or hear that because it's just glowing yeah, I went somewhere else with that, but that's okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> oh, so you think, gonna, you're thinking of RoboCop. Is I'm what thinking you're of RoboCop. About. All right. I, I'm going to break out my library card, though, because I want to talk about something that is in this comic. On page five, they um, are talking about all the damage that's done to their house and how crazy it is that just a couple days ago they were sleeping on the porch and everything was just kind of nice and fine and fun. And Alex makes the comment to Julie, Yeah, you were even reading Have Spacesuit Will Travel. Yeah, it's an annoying Alex voice, but that's okay. <laughs> so, Julie, uh, in the next panel, is holding a burned-out book that apparently was Half Spacesuit Will Travel, which is a science fiction novel for young readers by American writer Robert A. Heinland. Now, I went ahead and, like I said, I, I, I have been reading a little bit ahead, which was good in this case because I saw this and I got very interested in this and I decided to read it myself, which was kind of fun because I had never read it before. This is a very nice book and it's very, it's perfect for what this story is or the stories that we are reading are after he repairs it he accidentally hails a flying saucer and goes on a space adventure it's about two children who are confronted with two different alien races one good the other evil and while they respect and fear the aliens they also work through their feelings to deal with the situation that they are in there's a lot of different parallels to the stories we're reading, and what was in the book. One of the characters is an alien who builds advanced tech. So like Friday, who does the same thing with the spacesuits that the kids have. Uh, the young man is taken out into space and is put on an intergalactic tribunal to argue for humanity. I mean, you can kind of guess that where this is going with these stories here, that these kids are going to be pulled out into space and they are going to be the representatives for human beings on Oh, this. yeah, especially with chameleons because they're going to be like, hey, where's uh, Alefire? Yeah. And they're like, oh, uh, he's dead. Yeah. He did. He gave us his powers. Yeah. Uh, we need to talk to you. No, it's cool. Friday <laughs> gave us clothes and sawdust. The writing style for this book is 
is very tongue in cheek. It's a very specific first person type of old school writing style. I just found it very fascinating that while reading this book, I couldn't help but think that the way the book was set up and how this young kid who's got this spacesuit and how he's repairing it and how he, he finds himself in the middle of this intergalactic space thing and how he's having to figure things out using a lot of science, using a lot of math, using some real world physics in these different parts of space that he's in. I can't help but think all the different parallels and everything that's going on here and the basic fact that Julie is reading a primer for everything that's about to happen to these kids. Hmm. She's reading a primer on how to be kidnapped by aliens and survive, which, hey, they kind of just got kidnapped by aliens in this episode, yeah. so... I can see the influences that Louise Simonson pulled from this book and inserted into this comic, hmm. which I think was pretty, really fascinating. And I really, really enjoyed reading this book. So once again, I want to say it's Half Spacesuit Will Travel. It's a science fiction novel for young readers by Robert Heinlein. It's good. Check it out. I also read Half Spacesuit Will Travel. Oh, yes? Yeah. Except, uh, who's this Ribert Hinlan guy? Mm-hmm. Because uh, my copy was written by Curtis C. Chen and was in Oregon Reads Aloud, which is a children's read-along book, and was a four-page story. So how long was yours? Longer than four pages? Really? Because mine was four pages, and it was about a girl who lives on a space station in, you know, Earth orbit, and uh, she takes her parents' spacesuit out of storage and uses it to take her grandmother's ashes over to a disposal rocket, which is going to shoot into the sun to get rid of their garbage, and she connects it to that. And everybody's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You can't do that. You can't do that. What are you doing? And she's like, Grandma wanted to be buried in space, so I'm going to send her to the sun. I think you read the wrong book. No, it was entitled, the story was entitled, Have Spacesuit, Will Travel. So I read the right one. Are you sure you read the right one? I hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> no more beer for you, sir. <laughs> I think earlier you said if there's a way to cheat. <laughs> Touche, sir. It was a cute little story, but it didn't uh, prep me for surviving an alien attack. Okay. So when I told you about the book, you went to try to find it, and that's what you came across, was... and you thought that it was the right one. It was the only one that it was the only thing that I could find in my public library, and I said, you know what? I know this isn't it, but this is hilarious, and I just really want to uh, get to this portion of the podcast and tell Rick about it. <laughs> I may have purchased mine on Amazon. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I need to return mine to the library. <laughs> <laughs> Would you mind talking to us a little bit about some science stuff, please, sir? <laughs> okay, I actually... Okay, yeah, I can, do, I can do that. I can make up for my uh, taking it easy on the reading assignment. Jerk. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let... Uh, it was a Jack episode, so let's talk Jack science. Okay, you know, one of which is, you know, it's like, oh, Jack can go small. Does that mean he get, you know, does he get super heavy when he's super small? No, he doesn't. He stays the same weight. He just gets denser, which is why he can be stepped on and it doesn't hurt. Uh, so are you saying Jack's dense? Jack is dense. Okay. Yeah, Jack is dense. But, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, oh, all right, well, then if uh, he stays the same weight, then why did the shelf that he went on, you know, both shelves, actually, that he went on, why did they break? And the simple answer to that one is, even in the comic, they say this was a run-down, under-maintenance ship, even before, you know, these children started destroying it with their crazy space powers, so. Well, I'm willing to accept, too, the fact that they already have one child stacked on that shelf, and they said, 
they probably did their own internal math and said, okay, this is going to fit. I mean, this child weighs this much. Not a problem. They put the heavy... Okay, the order of them on these three shelves, the top one, it, it is actually this. It was Alex in the top, Julie in the middle, and then Katie in the in the bottom one. Yes, they put the heaviest one on top. <clears throat> yes. What? What's the problem with that? I don't know. I would have put the heavier ones on the lower ones. Katie would uh, or Julie would have stayed the same. Actually, I wouldn't have even put them on shelves. I just dumped them on the floor and called it done. Yeah, but I've got no problem with this because that means that the first one to fall and possibly break his neck was Alex. Yeah, he was like six feet up and that... Yeah, that had right. to oh, hurt. Oh, yeah, he's going to... Yeah, the first thing that should have been done after he got cut out of his, uh, his <clears throat> neuralizer wrappings, he should have been like, Jack, what... Oh, my... Everything, <laughs> and why am I bleeding from this head wound? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so basically, the reason that the shells broke because Jack was on them was just simply because it's a junker ship, yeah. and, and the and, shells are junk, and it's still an extra fifty-seven pounds that's on that shelf yep. all of a sudden. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. So we've covered him getting small and how that works. He just he gets dense, so he's yeah he's he's the same weight. He's just heavier. Sure. And, but what else does he do? He gases out. Sure, he cloud covers. Yeah, he cloud covers. So a good question on that is how much cloud cover could he provide? How much cloud could a cloud provide if a cloud could provide cloud? Yeah, it's not as good as a woodchuck, but oh man, what if he turned into a woodchuck? He'd even be more useless. How much cloud could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could cloud... Cl Dang! <laughs> almost had it. Almost there. <laughs> mm. It's a tongue twister. Send us how your best woodchuck and cloud tongue test. Tongue how much twisters? Twisters. How much cloud could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck cloud? Hmm. Well, the answer to that, my friend, is in my hand. So how much cloud cover could Jack provide? We have to make some assumptions here, as there's a lot of factors that we don't know. So let's assume that Jack weighs 56 pounds and makes an equivalent weight of liquid vapor. But we need to know what kind of liquid makes up this vapor so that we can convert it. Let's just assume that he turns into water vapor. Okay. And, you know, because that's what clouds are made out of. Now, an average cumulus cloud has a half gram of water vapor per cubic meter. Well, check this out. Now we have enough info to do some math. So we have a cubic meter per her... So we have a half cubic meter per half gram of water, 453.592 grams per pound, and 56 pounds of water. We do some math, convert meters into feet, because this is America, and here, meters are something that we use to measure utility usages. Presto changeo, and we have 1.8 million cubic feet. This makes a jack cloud that is 122 feet per side. So, it's looking pretty accurate from the, all the pictures they show of him, you know, being a cloud and hiding the ship and everything. You know, I might give you a hard time for um, some of your bad jokes and bad puns, but I gotta tell you, that's kind of cool. It, uh, it, it took a little bit of research, and I have to fully admit, I needed help with the math, because math is hard for my brain now. So, you had your baby do the math? Oh, obviously. It's it the, may be wrong. <laughs> it may be wrong, but it felt so right, because <laughs> math is hard. I used to love math, and I tutored people in math, and I got an advanced mathematics, and then I just hit this wall where I'm like, I don't want to math anymore. I hit that same wall myself about freshman year of high school. Oh, I lasted, oh god, another... 
Uh, eight years. But that's the reason why I have a degree in speech communication, and you, sir, have a degree in being cool with a beard. Yes, and microbiology. And a minor in uh, yeah, microbiology and molecular biology. So those came in really well. Once uh, again, super handy. Once again, this is the reason why we call you Mr. Cowboy Scientist. Yes, that's why. But anyway, yeah, uh, so he turns into a cloud, and it's kind of cool because he actually seems the comic seems to actually have his kind of size of cloud seems to be about right kind of looking at him which is kind of cool here's a fun side note uh jack changes from a solid to a gas without ever passing through a liquid phase and this is called sublimation an example of this would be dry ice turning into vapor the reverse of this a gas turning into a solid is called desublimation and an example of this would be a cloud turning into a naked boy as seen in issue two nice Mm -hmm. very nice thank you very much Doctor scientist, you're welcome. That was it was fun to to research that and actually look stuff up. There's a lady that when she was a kid, she always wondered how much a cloud weighs, and she grew up and she became a scientist and she actually figured it out. And she figured out that a uh, uh, average cumulus cloud, the big puffy clouds you yeah. see out in the sky, they're like a kilometer long and a kilometer tall, and that they have 1.1 million pounds of water in them, which is crazy because you're like it's a cloud. Do you happen to know that person's name? Uh, I don't know it offhand. Okay. Yeah. I would, uh, I, with minor amounts of research and the internet, this mythical beast, <laughs> I, uh, I could find it out, but I could maybe tell you next, next episode. It might be good to go ahead and cite those because, uh, you know, we're already stealing content from a comic book. We should probably give credit not, where I, credit I, is due. <laughs> not stealing. Fair usage. Fair usage laws. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Let us move this crazy train on into Final Thoughtsville. <laughs> Pulling into the station of Final Thoughtsville. Toot, toot. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and keep on playtesting that one and yeah, see how I can yeah, get a fit up. Yeah, I'm just gonna, let's just throw that against the wall some more until it dies or sticks. <laughs> I am a Segway King. Mm. <laughs> what are we t- We're talking about beer? <clears throat> so, um. <laughs> how do we get onto trains from beer? <laughs> Night train, that's why. <laughs> And you couldn't, when you're done with your cheap beer, you moved on to cheap fortified wine. <laughs> so, now that we pulled into the station, let's talk a little bit about final thoughts. I would like to start off with the refrigerator gallery. What piece of artwork in this book needs to be on the family refrigerator that has now been disintegrated? Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Jeff needs beer badly. <laughs> Jeff is about to drink. Oh. Oh. So, Jeff, please tell me, dear sir, what did you find to be artwork that needs to be on the family refrigerator? There were several really good ones in this issue, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I really liked on page 17. Okay, page 17. Yep, right on the uh, bottom of the page. You're getting to it. There you go. It is mini Jack standing on the snout of a snark guard that he knocked out, and he's just, you know, challenging the next guard. He's just like, I am seven inches tall. Fury, and you're going to go down. This was my backup as well. I called this the Mighty Mini Mass Master. Oh, very nice. Thank you. You um, you love the alliteration. I do love the alliteration. Yeah. Any alliteration I do, just I, I steal it from from Rick. Honestly, is what goes on. <laughs> uh, yes, this is my backup one as well. I I agree. This is a beautiful shot. This is after Jack has knocked out that guard, and he is standing on the guard snout. And it's white background. There's some heavy, heavy shadows that are hitting this this snout of this 
uh, alien's head onto the ground. Jack standing on top of the snout, one fist kind of in front of him, looking up. Half of his face is in shadow. There's a shadow of him on the ground as well. It's just yeah, fist clenched, fist and clenched. he's ready to just he's, he's go ready to, town. to take out somebody else. Yep. I, I agree. That that ended up being my backup one. Um, my first one I had was up on page five. It is just sad, Alex. Oh, yeah, Sad Alex is pretty sad. Sad Alex holding his telescope. Once again, it's another great use of shadows because it's white background. Half of Alex's face is in shadow. The other half, downturned mouth, holding this melted slag of a telescope. Going back to the first issue, Alex was working on this telescope. It was his pride and joy. It's the thing that he had out with him on the porch to look at the stars. Katie tripped over it. He was worried about that. It's what they first saw Friday. Jack threatened to break it. It was very much, that was his it was his thing. It was his thing. And it's also his love of science as well too. So Yes, it's sad, sad Alex. It is very sad. Alex. Did you have any other ones that you really liked? The front page is always pretty hard to beat. Yeah, uh, in these in these issues, it's because it's always it's a full full page spread. Cool stuff is happening. The, the first issue had about the weakest splash page. I think it was just you know it was a uh, Friday flying around with the snark. Uh, Willie Mays ships yeah. shooting lasers at them, and it was you know it was fine. There's a lot of exposition, in it, but these have been just kind of cool looking. I think another runner-up is on page eleven, and it's um, where Julie smacks into the wall. Oh yeah, it's just it looks bad, and she <laughs> yeah. just her rainbow comes to a abrupt. <laughs> A boreal stop. Uh, <laughs> and, and the the image right underneath that too is just a yep. That is a done uh, Julie. She's yeah. on the floor. She is out, and there's a ominous snark shadow, you know, approaching from behind her. Where you just go, she's caught. She's there's done. A snark. She's done. So although okay, and yeah. I do like uh, just a section of the ish, uh, image right below that where it's just this snark standing there with hands on hip, looking very imperious. It's pretty cool. <laughs> It's a good series of pictures. Yep. All of the artwork, I don't know if we talk enough about it or, or heap enough praise on June Bringman's artwork and Glynis Ween's colors. It is a beautiful, beautiful book. It's solid. I mean, this there's nothing that just stands out as being remarkable. Mm-hmm. It's just solid, good work, and there's a lot of emotion and a lot of love that you see. Yeah. June Brigman does kids really, really she well. She does them really well. They look like a kid. Yeah. They look believable. You go, yeah, that's a 12-year-old. Yeah, yeah that's definitely a 5-year-old. Yeah. yeah. You know, kind of thing. Let us move on to rubber and glue moment. What was the best or most childish insult? <laughs> Jeff, what do you got for me, sir? Page 20. Page 20. It is an image of Katie. <laughs> you know what yep, it is. Yep, I know what this one is. It is an image of Katie and Jack, and mm-hmm. Jack is a seven-inch tall, you know, uh, Jackarine, and giant Katie just kind of grabs at him and is like, "I'm gonna pick you up. You're just tiny. I'm gonna, you know, she she's gonna pick up the tiny, yeah. the tiny brother." And, and Jack's comment, sir, is something amazing. I'm not a kin doll, you nitwit. <laughs> he calls. He calls Katie a nitwit. I like just, I'm not a Ken doll nitwit. Just done. <laughs> done. Just like, you're, you're not going to be able to pick me up. I'm not one of your toys. Come on. Grow I, up. Gain another two years of life. <laughs> once again, you have picked my backup, sir. Hey. <laughs> my number one, though, is on page three. And this is the snark commander calling his subordinate cretin. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Which I always appreciate a good cretin. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> there's just something just fabulous about that let me start off at the beginning here 
So his subordinate is saying, Sir, we, we saw the ruins of Dr. Power's annihilator, and there are rumors that our mind probe damaged his mind as well. It will mean our heads to return to the Queen Mother with a broken ship, a damaged captive, and our mission unfulfilled. Nonsense, you cretin! Below is a chameleon smart ship whose likes we have never captured, and soon Power's sorceress children will be ours as well. He calls the guy a cretin. Yep. I love that. Yeah, it, it's not a word that gets used a lot. No, no, it's it's it really, pretty great. It's really falling out of flavor. Yeah, it's 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 a classic though. You're a cretin. You're a classic. You're a nitwit. <laughs> You're a snark butt. Aww. Yeah, <laughs> this is how words escalate. Next, we're throwing <laughs> bombs at each other. <laughs> well, that was. I hope you enjoyed nope, the end of no. our series. Next, we are throwing cars at each other <laughs> and then knocking ourselves out with said car explosions. It happens. All right, we are on to stars and detention. We need to identify the child who was the best and the not so best in this issue. So let's talk about the best. Okay, uh, this is really hard since it's a Jack issue. Yep. <laughs> it's very Jack-centric. And so the best kid yes. is, not surprisingly, it's Jack. It's got to be Jack. Yep. It has to be Jack. This is his story. He saves the others. He finds out new uses for his powers. And he seems to be a little bit less jerky. Kind of. Well, he's still very Debbie Downer about his powers. Right mm. up until the point he figures out he can get small. And then after that, he's like, I can't wait to tell, everybody, you know, tell mm -hmm. the family... That I can do this. And in fact, he even tells them, he goes, I think my powers are the best because I used them to save all of you. Fair point. I, yeah. On the inverse side, who did you think was the worst? Uh, this is a little bit of a toss-up, but I'm unfortunately going to have to say Katie. This is two for two, my friend. Mm -hmm. Why did you think Katie was? Because she's not Jack. No. <laughs> In she, this issue, she, no, she, she is doesn't not. have a curmudgeonly voice. No, it was just the aspect, uh, just weighing, you know, kind of the checks and balances of like things that uh, the characters did that were good, things that the characters did that were bad. Uh, Katie really had one thing that she did that was useful, and that was she trying to get out of the uh, the net that she got grabbed in. She was shooting powerballs off, right. and one of them happened to clear a path through the through the fighter ships because they're like, "Oh, powerball, let's get out of the sure. way," and that opened up a path for Julie to break her arm. Yes. So, <laughs> otherwise, well uh, done. Yeah. Otherwise, Katie needs to power up, so she's in the house filled with destroyed things. She disintegrates the only working piece of technology <laughs> in the house, which is the refrigerator. Yep. It's like, Katie, hey, that actually was something not broken. And then later on, you know, throughout the issue too, you know, you know, past two issues, they're like, we're hungry. We're hungry. Right. We need food. We are hungry. And Julie keeps on kind of like busting out an apple mm. here or some cookies or candies or something. And, you know, near the end, it's like, okay, we're doing food again. Great. Katie, power up. And she's like, okay. And she disintegrates an apple. <laughs> it's like, no, just, no. <laughs> The only other thing I need to add to what you've said is that the only thing she really did the entire episode was wiggle her tooth. She did that twice, if yeah. not more. Yeah. I mean, it's like, that's all she's doing is, ah, my tooth yeah. is loose. Ah, which, to be fair, that when my daughter's tooth is loose, that's all she does, too. Yeah. But still, that that's the most she really brought to this issue. So, yeah, yes, once again, I'm agreeing 100% with you. Mm -hmm. I gotta say, our next thing that we talk about usually is G-Force, and I'm, I'm a little disappointed, but... There was no G-Force this time. Yeah, uh, Alex dropped nary a G-bomb. To be fair, he did spend a majority of the issue wrapped up in mummy sheets. There's that. Uh, and the oh, and when he wasn't doing that, he was blowing himself up with the 
with Dukes of Hazzard. And when he wasn't blowing himself up, he was looking very sad. He was very sad. So I, I bad for him. It's just like man. So I guess I guess you need to be happy in order to say G. Yeah, yeah. yeah G is an exclamation of yeah. joy. So <clears> nothing <throat> has changed. Nothing no, has but, changed. but we'll do the stats for it anyway. Uh, just repeat because this. Time, sure. Yep, yeah, this is the thing. So again, as we've established. Uh, Alex pulled zero Gs, so that means he's weightless. And a place that you can experience weightlessness is on the Vomit Comet. <laughs> and that makes perfect sense to me, because it makes me sick to my stomach that Alex at no point said G in this issue. Well played, sir. Yeah. Well played. And uh, so the average G-force that we have so far is 3.35, and that's a high G roller coaster, and we're still at a total of 10, which is basically uh, being in an airplane doing stunt maneuvers. Nice. Nice. Very good, very good. Um, now, let us talk about the beer that we have been drinking mm -hmm. this issue. You, you mean the Jack Ripper? It's called the Cloud Ripper. The <laughs> uh, once again, uh, how do you think I did for uh, pairing up a beer with the issue? It pairs up really nicely. Yeah, Cloud Ripper. Yeah, Cloud Ripper. I'm like, yeah. does that make a joke name? No. Uh, yeah, it's the name of it, title of it, totally works for Jack. Because yes. it's a Jack issue and Cloud Ripper IPA. Totally works for that. Yes, yes, it does. Still, it's an IPA. It's not a big fan of those. Uh, it's fairly light on the hops, but it's still there. It's it's kind of citrusy. It's kind of nice. Um, sadly for me, it's still an IPA, which puts yes. it at like a you know like a a two for drinkability. Just be you know two Powerballs because it's it, it's not what I prefer. I I am I'm agreeing with you 100 on this one. I'm not a fan of IPAs, um, and I know some people who like IPAs would probably rate this a bit higher. For me, I'll, I'll go ahead and agree with that that two Powerballs as well. If I drink an IPA, I usually actually like the doubles or triples because whenever they are double and triple, they double and triple the hops, but they also double and triple the malt, which tends to overpower the hops, okay. which I enjoy. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's, it's still pretty strong hop forward, but there's mm. good citrus in there as well. But no, I, I would agree that that's about a two for me as well. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that. We would probably judge it differently if we were IPA people. I would agree with that assessment entirely. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about top grades. Alrighty. We want to evaluate each issue against the rest of the series. I really like this one. It's a short story mm -hmm. in the sense that the time it really takes us to cover it, but it is part of a bigger arc. But it's pretty well contained, and yeah. I really like the action in it. I really like the kids' action, the kids' movements. Jack finding his power and giving Jack a uh, time to to shine. I'm actually willing to say that this might be my favorite issue so far. Really? Okay. I would actually put this above number one. What wow. do you think? One is hard to beat because you know it's the introduction. Sure. It's, you got everything going on. It's also a king size issue, so yeah. it's double the content and everything needs going on. Mm -hmm. It is a really good issue. It's definitely better than issue two. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm going to put one above two. Well, obviously I put one above two. But I'm going to put one above three. So I'd go one, three, two. Really? Yeah. It, that that is actually mentioning that. Yeah. It's it's a, it's it's kind of a hard to judge toss up. But I would. Yeah. You would still put it above above. Yeah. Or, um, uh, below, yeah. It's, uh, I'd still one? I'd still still say number one is still uh, better. Just and probably that is due to the volume of things that you're getting out of that one. Yeah. It, Number one's going to be hard to beat, except for the fact that I would say I would reread this hmm. before I would reread the first one. Okay. Just because, I, like I said, I think that it moves very well. I think the action moves on it, but I, I like to come to a consensus of sort. Mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, if, you want, uh, if we need them to be uh, even, yeah, I could put it above one. 
You can put it by one? Yeah, since it was very much a toss-up between two and one for me. So Okay. All right. Thank so you. So we can go two, one, three. Two, one, three. Which oh. is an area code for something. Three, one, two. So. <laughs> three, one, two. Oh, weird. Uh, it's, I'm sorry. Can't you tell by the goatee? I'm from the Mirror Mirror Universe. We say all of our numbers in reverse in Bizarro World. And now on to Kid's Perspective. <laughs> this is where we ask questions or the premise of the book to my seven-year-old daughter and get her opinion. Take it away, Carrie and me. Clang! Hi, Carrie. Hi. How you doing? Good. So, what did you think about this issue of Power Pack? It was good. What did you like about it? I did like it when um when Jack rescued his, his brother and his sisters. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because that was really thoughtful. Yes, it was very thoughtful of him. He and Alex sometimes kind of fight. Yeah. And after he rescued Katie and Alex, Julie, Katie and him just started fighting. Yeah, they all fight. But you liked how Jack rescued them? Mm-hmm. You think Jack was pretty, uh, pretty heroic in this one? Yes. So was Jack your favorite in this issue? Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you liked looking at in the issue? Is there any artwork that you liked in the issue? I did actually kind of like, um, I do like it when they hug each other, just like this one. <laughs> so you liked it when Julie was hugging Katie and she wanted, and, uh, she wanted her mommy? Yeah. And I also like this because they're huddling up, like, huddle up, people! <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else that you liked or want to talk about? Mm, no. You excited for the next book? Yeah. What do you think is going to happen in the next book? It actually kind of spoiled a little because it said Tooth Fairy. So there was going to be a Tooth Fairy. You think there's going to be a Tooth Fairy in the next book? Yeah, it mentioned Tooth Fairy in this one. You excited to see a Tooth Fairy? Mm-hmm. What does the Tooth Fairy give you? Money. Oh, yeah? Like dollars or coins. Hmm. So we'll see what happens in the next issue then, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, Carrie, guess what? What? I love you. I love you, too. Thank you very much. Jeff and Rick Present is recorded in front of a live studio audience in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff Rick Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word, at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Rick Present.wordpress.com. Please rate us on iTunes or send us messages to let us know your thoughts or opinions. A big thank you once again to Hub at Tighten Up the Defense for giving us two plugs on his excellent show. We really appreciate it, and we really appreciate any traffic we can get to our little show in this little corner of the universe. And I'd like to give a special thanks to our listeners because we really appreciate you. Keep listening because we're going to keep on doing basically the exact same thing. So if you like what you got, you're going to get more of it. And as always, we want to thank the wonderful women in our life. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We, we love, love you. you. Until next week. Our theme music is 80s Action by Kevin McLeod at Agapitech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. And she does not see the snark net ship that catches her. She manages to... It's a weird sentence, ain't it? Yeah. I'm just going to chew on my cud. <laughs> <coughs> she manages... Why manages? Yeah. Do, do something different. No, I'm just like, I can't get my tongue around it for some reason right now. A tongue paralysis. You can't get your tongue around manages? Yes.
I can't. No, I'm not going to go there. No. It's about a young man who wins a spacesuit, and after he repairs it, he accidentally he accidentally hails. Wow, I. <coughs> you can get it. I believe in you. No, I, I don't believe in myself. 